Harm Cotton. The Mechaber at the end of our Chaim brings a simon about Purim Cotton and he speaks about the things we don't do on Purim Cotton. We don't say Tachanon. We don't say Yan Chashem B'yayim Tzara. We don't give Hespedes. We don't give, we don't fast. And the Ramah is myself that there are those who say the Yechayev to be Marba and Mishta V'Simcha But the Ramah then says that the Minig is to be Maisev Kitsas No? In order to be Yaitzi Dea Machmirin and he ends with Taiv Lev Mishtetamid. Somebody that has a good heart, Taiv Lev Mishtetamid. In the Lumdis of Purim Katan, even though it's not Purim, it's a leap year where Nayeg Purim in Adarshani, in one month from tonight. But yet there's a machlegas in the Mishnah and Megillah. There is a shita that holds. You should say Purim should be in Adarisha. And Reb Shem says that Purim should be in Adarshani. We pass like Reb Shem But there is at least an indelible imprint in Adarisha in that there, it is Purim today. We don't paskin Allah Chalamaisa to be Nayeg the Dinam of Purim. But it's still Adarishain. It's still Yudalit Adar. And to go without making any zecher of the tremendous mates that took place would be inappropriate. So the Iker Takanis Chacham of Megillah and Mishleach Manes, Matanis Lavyanim, all the Mitzvah Sayyim of Purim, Suda, they take place in earnest in Adar Shani, but Adar and we are Nayeg, Kitsas and Yane, Simcha, because after all, were it not for the fact that it was a leap year, this would be Purim. It's Adar, it's Yudalad Adar. And on the calendar, there is an impression of the Nisim that took place today. But at the same time, it still was a little troubling. That Lamaisa Adar Shani is our Purim. So what exactly are we supposed to be feeling today in Adarishain? Adarishain, Purim Katan, what is exactly, what's the regesh, what's the mood, what's the machshavas that we should be having on Purim Katan? Is it Purim, is it not Purim? Libi Aymerli, to say a Chiddush, and perhaps one thing that we should focus on on Purim Cotton. Purim, as we know it, is a celebration of the salvation of Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael, there was a Gezerah, as we know, Haman and Achashverosh, Lahashmiru, Laharag, Valabed, is Kala Yehudim. Klal Yisrael, as a whole, we're supposed to Rachman Litzlan 
be destroyed on Purim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Brachamecha Rabbim came and he annulled that ter- terrible Gezerah. And that's why we're alive today. But that is a miracle that we know about. We all know Halayim Ksuvim it's in all the history books. It's in our Megillah, the the plan, the decree against the Eden, the Hatzalah. This is all things that we know about. These are Nisim that are evident. These are Nisim that we know. They're Nisim Gluyim. But you know, there's a an altogether different type of Nase in the world and those are the Nisim that we have absolutely no idea about there are Nisim that we know about there are Nisim like Purim and Hanukkah that were they're world famous Nisim we all are very familiar with all the stories and all the Chazalim and all the Medrashim and we know in great detail what happened what the guy wanted to do how we were saved why we were saved but do you know that as many Purims and Chanukahs, there's Kiflayim Kiyetzim Mitzrayim, there's millions of Nisim that we have absolutely no idea that are taking place as we speak. Every single day, we say in Maidim al Nisecha, Shebechal Yaimimanu. There are Nisim that are taking place on a daily basis that we are completely oblivious to. We are so in the dark about the Nisim that happen every single day to call Yisrael. And those are Nisim no less than the Nisim that we do know about. There's a Gemara in Nidon Daflamin Aleph that says on the Pasuk of Laisei Niflais Gedailis Levadi HaKadosh who does great wonders Levadai he does it alone. You know what that means? Afilo balanes enay makir benisai, the Gemara says. We are recipients of miracles that we have absolutely no idea about. We would be shocked to know how many times our life was in jeopardy, either as a nation, as a community, as individuals, and we have zero understanding about how a miracle took place, a Purim happened for us, and we will never know about that Purim. For Libi Aymerli, that that's what Purim Cotton is. Purim Cotton is a small, almost invisible Purim. It's the Purim that we don't know about. It's the Purim that if we would have any idea, if we would be able to understand for a minute how fortunate we are to be alive today after all that we had potentially suffered, and yet we're alive, we would be dancing in the streets, we would be singing from the rooftops. But we don't know. But Purim Cotton is the day that we actually are supposed to engage in the claim of Purim, in the Purim that is not on the history books. It's the Purim that's invisible to the naked eye. But as B'nai Taira, we're supposed to be makir, the haidah, the akar to the for what 
happened that we didn't know about. Do you know how many times we could have gotten potentially ill, but we didn't? How many times did we... Do you know how easy it is to catch sicknesses? We don't walk around, every one of us, with Purell constantly on our hands and... We touch doorknobs and we go to public places, we drink from public glasses and we use public forks and knives and spoons. We walk in the street with people sneezing and coughing, people that have all types of diseases. It's so easy to pick something up, Rahman Utsan. And maybe we should have. But Akrish Baruch is protecting us in a miraculous way and giving us every day a secret Purim that we'll never know about. Do you know how many times we were supposed to leave on a trip, let's say, going in our car or driving to yeshiva or driving shopping and we had to tie our shoelace. We noticed that our shoelace is untied, so we left 30 seconds later. Had we not left 30 seconds later, we would have gotten into a terrible car accident. We would have gotten hit by a car as we walked across the street. That Akrish Baruch was there watching, creating a buffer for us that we're unaware of. We're clueless as to how many things we avoid on a daily basis, all Bechemlas Hashem Aleinu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has Rachmanis on us. He loves us. So He creates a private, personal Purim for us. And when do we have an opportunity to celebrate it? When we have an Ibriyar, and we have a day or a night like tonight, a beautiful night that we're able to come together. It doesn't have a big Masibo with everybody jumping around with costumes. We don't drink Yayin. We're sober but we're able to focus with our eyes wide open in a dark room and be able to for a moment give Shabbat Vaidayit for for the Purim cottons in our life for the small Purims that we have that we'll never know about nobody will ever write a Megillah about those Purims because nobody knows about those Purims you know sometimes you read a, a story about an explosion that suddenly happens in the Gaza Strip or somewhere in the West Bank and the papers call it a work accident. And that's a code word, that's a catchphrase for some Palestinians that were working on making a bomb and instead of it going off in Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem went off in their own homes. Sometimes lately you hear about tunnels collapsing that Arabs are digging tunnels to come into Eretz Yisrael. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes a nace for us that the Arabs die in the tunnels that they're digging in order to come in to infiltrate Eretz Yisrael, to carry out their, their Hashmada, their Harigas, their... These are things that many times we don't even know about. There are explosions that happen. There are caves that are collapsing as we speak. We'll never know about them. The enemies know about them, but we will never know about them. And that's what Purim Cotton is for. 
Rebitzach Mivalajan was a great statesman on behalf of Klal Yisrael, and he used to always go to speak to the heads of government to try to abolish certain gezeris against Klal Yisrael. And one time he was in the parliament, and a certain minister who was a Russia, he came over and apparently he was uh, he knew a little bit to him, and he says. Rebitzel, I have a question for you. You say in your Psalms, in Hallel, Hallelujah, as Hashem kal goyim, Shabchu kal oumim, ki gavar aleinu chastai. Hallelujah, as Hashem kal goyim, let all the goyim praise Hashem. Shabchu kal let all the nations of the world Extol Akadish Parchu's greatness. Why? Kigavar Aleinu Chaste, because Akadish Parchu has overpowered us, Klal Yisrael, with his Chesed. So this minister, this Gayesha evil minister, goes to Rabbitzalamim and, and says, I don't understand. We, the nations of the world, the United Nations, should go and give hallow to the Rabbinishlam for saving the Jews. Let the Jews sing halal for saving for the for the miracles that are wrought for them. Why does the Gayim have an obligation to sing halal for the chesed that Hashem does with you Jews? Why should we? Sir Bitzla was a very clever man, and he says the answer is simple. Because there are many times that we have absolutely no idea, us Jews of the plots that you planned against us the diabolical murderous decrees that you sought to inflict upon Klal Yisrael and those plans were for whatever reason foiled we'll never know about those those were done in some dark room in some back smoke filled room that only the evil enemies of Klal Yisrael knew about them. And they know how HaKadosh Baruch Hu somehow abolished those Gzeris. And history is full of such incidents. But Klal Yisrael is oblivious to them. So you have to give Shabbat to the Rabbi Nisham. You, evil ones, who are very well aware of the true chesed that Hashem does with us, the Gayim are much better equipped to, not, to understand the chesed that Hashem does to us more than we'll ever know. Hashem hides a lot of the Nisim. We are the recipients of Nisim. We don't even know about them. It's our Purim cotton. There are so many Purims that we are no, we have no idea of the Hamans that are right now. Do you have any doubt in your mind that the Ayatollahs in Iran and all of the enemies throughout the Middle East and the Far East and even maybe in the United States itself, do you have any idea? In Queens. Do you have any idea how many people, as we speak, Rahman Litzlan, potentially might be plotting against us, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu we are that we have no idea 
how many things are going on, but he's saving us. That's Purim Cotton. Purim Cotton is the day that we're able to reflect soberly on what we don't know. And that too, there's an obligation for us to give Shavach Takarish Baruch for that. Al Nisecha Shabachayamimanu. The Nisim that surround us on a constant daily basis. You know, just because we don't know about these things does not mean that we are absolved of giving Sheva for them. We have to see the Yad Hashem even when we don't have the banner headlines announcing the nace. There's a great Misa that I, I loved when I saw it. There was a Misa that took place in Flatbush. Rabbi Saul Reisman was all gesundzain. He's a very popular Magid Shir in, in Tarvadas and he, he has a shul in Flatbush and he gives a very probably the, the, the most well-attended shear in the country. Every Matzai Shabbos in the winter, he gives a Navi shear to several thousand people in Flappish. And one time, a, uh, a Balabas comes into a shul in the morning and he looks very depressed. And Rabbi Eisman says to him, what's, what's bothering you? You seem like really agitated about something. He says, Rabbi, says, I was supposed to have a flight today to uh, California on a business trip and and there was traffic on the on the belt and I wasn't able to get to the airport and I missed my flight and I'm very upset I had a meeting scheduled I lost my my plane ticket and I and now the meeting has to get pushed off and it looks very bad I'm very very upset about it should have woken up earlier I should have davened a different minionette so my Reisman says to him I don't understand he says, let me ask you a question. If let's say today now you go home after davening and you turn on the radio in the car and you hear that that plane that you were supposed to take crashed and everybody on board the plane died, what would your reaction be? He says, Rabbi, if everybody on the plane died, this Shabbos I'd make the biggest Kiddush. In Shul, it would be tremendous. That nace, Mamash and nace Niglak, and Ishparchu saved my life. I'd make a huge Kiddush, Cholent, and everything, the works. So by Reisman, tongue in cheek, says to him, You Russia. He says, 250 people have to die in order for you to see Yad Hashem? You don't understand? You need like a Purim Gadol? You need a regular, obvious nace every single time? If you don't get that banner headline, if you don't know for a fact that it was a nace, then that's a disappointment. You have to actually have people die in order for you to feel, Ah, Baruch Hashem? A yid is supposed to be Magish Baruch Hashem regardless of whether or not it's a Purim Gadol or a Purim Katan. 
We have to believe that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is Mashkiach over us constantly. Erev Avaykevitzarayim Hakadosh Baruch Hu is guarding us, protecting us, watching over us with love, with concern. It shouldn't matter whether or not it has a quote-unquote happy ending or there is no ending. We have to believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is guarding us. That there's Nisan that are taking place every moment whether we are fully aware of them or not. That's a Yid's obligation. I want to take it a step further. I want to bring it home very close. An extension of this idea, this Param Param Cotton idea of the fact that Akrishparhu is creating Nisim for us. And if we close our eyes and understand the amount of miracles that are taking place, how we're not for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rachman all the Shivim Zeivim, the 70 bloodthirsty wolves that surround Klal Yisrael, the Kivzahachas, the little sheep, you don't think we would have been consumed long ago. Do you have any idea how many times in history we were, our entire fate was hanging by a thread? Do you think during the Holocaust it was so Pasha that we should survive? Do you think Purim was so Pasha that we should survive? Hanukkah, the Spanish Inquisition, Tachvetat, massacres, city had cities and, and, and countries and, and worlds almost vanished for us. Hakadosh saved us. And it's happening constantly. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always saving us. Without HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it would be impossible for us to survive. So what we have to do once in a while is close our eyes and imagine how things could have been different. And now I want to tell you that this is the secret to happiness in general. The secret to being happy in life, to really feeling happiness... And this is from a, a Victor Miller. Is that if you understand how things could have always been worse, we would appreciate what we have. The simcha that we would have, if we would realize how good we have it, because things could always be worse, would make us dance in the streets. I just said the other day when we were learning Archus Sadiqim. Somebody I went to visit somebody in a Shiva house. And sometimes you go to console somebody and you walk out being the one that was consoled. And these people, Nebuch, they lost uh, a close loved one. They were not religious people. But they told me a lesson that they learned in Eretz Yisrael when they were growing up. Ezel Asher Asamech Bechalkai. You know what Usher, they told me, stands for... What is Usher? Usher is somebody that's a billionaire, right? No. 
Usher is Rashi Tevas, Ayin is Einayim, Shin is Shinayim, Yud is Yadayim, Resh is Raglayim. The fact that we have, Baruch Hashem, the ability to see, the ability to hear, the ability to, to walk, to feel. Do you know how wealthy we are? Do you know how it could have not been that way, Rahman al-Litzlan? Imagine for a second, sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with doing this, sometimes close your eyes for a few minutes and pretend that you weren't so lucky. And you didn't have the ability to see Rahman al-Litzlan. In Eretz Yisrael, there's a place called the Museum of the Blind. I wanted to, I thought it was in Yerushalayim, it turns out it's somewhere else, it's far away from Yerushalayim, so I wasn't able to, to take my daughter there, but she wanted to go, I didn't have a chance to take her when we went on a trip last summer. But people that go there say it's a, it's a life-altering experience. You're led by blind people through a dark area, And you mamish are able to be margish b'chush, what it feels like to not have the gift of sight. If only for a few minutes. But when you walk out and you're able to actually see again, I'm sure it lasts only a brief time, but for those few seconds, you feel like the luckiest person in the world. Every morning... You open up two presents that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives you every single morning, and that's your eyes. You're able to open your eyes and Baruch Hashem be able to see you are a billionaire. And then you're able to get out of bed and walk without a wheelchair, without crutches. You're a billionaire. You're able to have teeth. You're able to eat like a mensch without... Assistance. You don't have to drink liquids all day in order to get nutrition. We're so wealthy. Imagine for a second if it wasn't that way. Imagine Rahman Watsan if we were missing any of our any of the Ramach Varim, any of the Shasagidim. Imagine if we were living on a respirator. I know it's uncomfortable to think about these things, but we have to think about these things. Because when we're able to understand how fortunate we are, that we're able to have all these things, and when we don't take it for granted, then we could be the happiest people in the world. My children have a a book, it's not published by a Jewish company, but it's about a rabbi. Sometimes that's very bad. <laughs> but in this case, I think it was a very good Mr. Haskell. It's a, I think it's a very classic children's book. And it's called It Could Always Be Worse. And the premise of the book is that this woman who lives in like a barn, she lives on a farm and she goes to the old wise rabbi and she's complaining that she can't live in her house anymore because there's no room, she needs a larger house but they can't afford it and there's only two bedrooms and she has six children and 
and she doesn't know what to do. She's going crazy. She can't live in that house anymore. And so they go to this wise rabbi, and the rabbi says, thinks about it for a minute, and he says, okay, here's what you have to do. You have to listen to me exactly, and I'm going to cure your problem. She says, fine. She says, how many cows do you have out in the barn? So we have about ten cows. Okay, I want you to bring all those ten cows into the house tonight. And don't take them out until I tell you. She says, bring those cows into our house? I just told you, we barely have room for, our, for ourselves. We're split. You want to get an eighth from me? You have to listen to me. They bring all ten cows into the house. And like the, the pictures are gewaldic in this book. Like You see them all like scrunched up with the ten cows, sleeping next to the ten cows. And then they go back the next day to the rabbi. They say, okay, rabbi, uh, can we take the cows out? Not yet. How many chickens do you have? Fifty chickens. Good. Bring them all into the house also. Bring 50 chickens into the house. How can we bring 50 chickens into the house? We have no... Bring 50 chickens into the house. So they bring all 50 chickens into the house and there's chickens flying. The chickens are like sleeping on top of their heads and on the babies and on the, and on the kids and on the cows. And then he says, how many... Uh, they go back the next day. How many sheep do you have? We have 35 sheep. Bring them into the house. Bring the sheep. There's no room. Bring them into the house. And again, they ship sheep into the house. And then finally, the next day, they go to the rabbi, now what do we do? Now take all of them out of the house. All the sheep and all the cows and all the chickens, get them out of the house. Go put them back in the barn into the chicken coop. The kachava. And once all of those animals were back in the barn, now they felt like they were living in, uh, you know, in, in, in a palace. Look at how much room they suddenly had. And the moral of the story is that it could always be worse. As bad as we think individually we have it. And there's no denying, Rabbi say that each and every one of us, I think it's safe to say every one of us has our own peckle. We all have our own baggage. Some of us have social baggage, family baggage, physical baggage, emotional baggage everybody has something financial, everybody's got something trust me and if you don't then you're you won the lottery but the truth is that we all won the lottery because if we knew how bad it could be just like the Purim Katan that we have no idea how much worse it could be how many Nisim HaKadosh Baruch Hu is doing constantly to protect us from tragedies unbeknownst to us we have to think that way in our own personal life. We have to understand, Rabbi say, how lucky we are to have all the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us because it could be so much worse. The only reason why we don't appreciate things is because we are Baruch Hashem in a society called the Yeshiva that on the whole everybody is, is healthy. Everybody can see and everybody can walk and everybody can talk. So we feel like it's a given. Society at large, we look around, we don't spend too much time probably in, in places that people can't walk and people can't talk. We, we hang out in society amongst people and so we think it's a given. We think, well, everybody has the gift of sight. Everybody walks, everybody talks. It's a rarity that people don't have those things. So maybe it's a given. It's so not a given. It's such a gift that we have. 
We have to appreciate, we have to close our eyes. Close our eyes maybe now and just imagine for a minute that we weren't able to see. And then open your eyes and you have the biggest simcha. Every single day we can make ourselves happy by making a Purim Katan. By understanding how HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us such blessing. And we're not makir those blessings, but we take it for granted. We're oblivious. We're the Balnes that's not makir benisai. But guess what? We have to be makir benisai. Know that it could always be worse. And there's nothing wrong with being happy over the fact that it's not worse. There's a great mice of the Panavicharov. Somebody came to him. I once had a Talmud in Yeshiva that had a big problem. He was married and he um, he was married to a to a wealthy girl. It's a cautionary tale. Sometimes it's not such a smart idea to marry such a wealthy girl. Because I think the stipler used to say, if you marry a wealthy girl, you earn every penny. <laughs> it's not so posh. It's not bad to marry a girl that has some money, but sometimes too much money is not a blessing. And anyway, this boy, he came to me, he says, Rabbi, I have a big problem. My house is a, is a disaster. So what happened? He says, well... I come home and the beds are never made and the dishes are never done. There's like stacks of dirty dishes in the, in the kitchen and it's bringing all types of bugs and rodents into the apartment. I don't know what to do. I'm going crazy. So I said, you know, I told him the best thing to do is you, you clean up. She's not cleaning up because she always had a maid, so you clean up. And eventually they... They figured out a plan. They started cleaning up together. He washed the dishes. She dried the dishes. They had Taranut. They did their own. They had a rotation. And Baruch Hashem, it worked out very well. Somebody once came to the Panavich Rav, Sechetzadik with a similar story. He came to the Panavich Rav's study in this house. And he says, Rebbe, I'm going nuts. My wife, Mamish, doesn't clean the house. The house of pigsty. So Panavichrov was listening and commiserating a little bit. He says, do me a favor, just wait one second. I just have to make an important phone call. He closes his study door. He runs into his house, his apartment, and he told the rabbits and quick, the two of us together, we have to make a churva in our apartment. Take everything, take all the clothes out of the, out of the closet and toss them all over the room. Take all the dishes out of the cupboard and put, scatter them all over. Take all the, the ketchup in the refrigerator and squirt it all over the walls. Make it a biggest churva as you can. We have two minutes. Let's do it. And they get going and they, and Mamisha looks like, uh, looks like a bomb went off in this, in this apartment. And then the Pan Richarov goes back to the to the stud and he continues schmoozing with this with this Kyle guy and he says, I wanna I wanna tell you a secret, but you have to promise me you'll never tell anybody. He says, What? He says, You think you have it bad? He says, I want you to come into my apartment. Panovichrov's apartment is probably immaculate. Panovichrov did everything perfect. So. <laughs> come, come, come. 
and they go into the apartment and this guy looks the walls are full of ketchup and mustard and duck sauce and, and there's and there's it's a churva mamish there's not a single tile on the floor that doesn't have either a sock or a pair of underwear or a nightgown or pajamas or it was terrible and the avich like walks out and he's like skipping down the going home He's so happy, Baruch Hashem. He did, you know, he, he he has a good. If you compare yourself to people that really have it bad, that's the secret in life to being happy. We walk around in life sometimes upset, and it's human. It's normal. We're upset about this. We're upset about that. We didn't do as well as we wanted on the on that standardized test or on the on the test or we didn't have the Gemara we did not we have a problem at home we have a problem with our with our kalas we have a problem with our wives we have a problem with our kids different people have different things it's normal but we get down about these things and if a person is able to make a Purim cotton in his life and if a person is able to understand how it could be so much worse how we have it so good how relative to what potentially could be, we're living in fantasy land. Our lives are blessed. Our lives, what people would do to be in our shoes, what people that are sick, people in a hospital, people with real tsaras, not man-made tsaras, but natural tsaras, real tsaras, what they would do to have what we have. If we would understand how fortunate we are, we would be so happy we would be the, the happiest people alive. I once was told a, a mice about the Chavetz Chaim. It was Simchas Taira. And the Chavetz Chaim was dancing in his yeshiva HaKafis. And all of a sudden he left abruptly in the middle of HaKafis. And he went off to a side room. A classroom in yeshiva. And somebody happened to they wanted to hear what the Chavetz Chaim was doing. They didn't know it was strange. The Chavetz Chaim left that office in the middle. And they went into a side room and they sort of snuck in behind the Chavetz Chaim and they were able to eavesdrop on what was going to happen. And they couldn't believe their eyes about what they saw. The Chavetz Chaim all of a sudden got into like another, like a phase, like a, like a, a spell. And he was cast off into like a different universe. And he was role-playing as if he was in Shemayim. And he sort of acted out all the characters on his own. He says, Yisrael Mayer, it's your turn to give a din. He says, okay, what, what, what's the din? Well, you have so and so many mitzvahs, and you have so many averis, and it's sort of 50-50. And then all of a sudden... A black angel comes in as Makatrig and the Chavetz Chaim also plays that role. And he says, We can't let this man go into Elam Abba. Because it's true that he served Hashem, but it wasn't really with the truest simcha. He didn't really appreciate his, the mitzvahs that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him. He didn't really do it with all of his slavas and all of his simcha. And because of that, we're going to send him to Gehenim. And the Chavetz Chaim was pleading, No, no, no! Let me have another chance, please! Give me more life! And all of a sudden, the Chavetz Chaim sort of snapped out of the spell and he says, Oh, 
This is just a fantasy. I'm really alive. And I have the opportunity to correct that. And if I didn't serve Hashem B'Simcha, I could change that now. And he bursts out of the room and he jumps into the base Medrash and he starts dancing with such simcha that Baruch Hashem, I'm alive and I'm able to rejoice with all of my heart to the Rabbani Shalom in the living years. That's how we have to be in life. We have to pretend for a moment that we're not alive. Pretend for a moment that we're not able to use all of our Ivarim. Pretend for a moment that the situation is as dire as one could possibly imagine, and then snap out of it and chap that Baruch Hashem, we're the most blessed people on the face of this earth. We could see and we can hear and we can walk and we could talk. And we're in a yeshiva that's the best yeshiva in the world. And we're able to have fantastic rabbeim and great chavra. And we're able to learn the halagatayra. And we're b'nei tayra. And we have food to eat every single day. And we have a warm place to sleep. And we have clothing on our back. We have absolutely no idea how lucky we are because we don't think about these things. We just look at what we don't have. The glass is perpetually half empty. If we would know how full our glass is, how overflowing our, our glass is, this Purim cotton would extend the rest of our lives. We would be the happiest people in the world. Nothing, no news would ever be able to break our happiness knowing how it could be so much worse and HaKadosh Baruch Hu benched us. We have to know how full our life is. Even when we can't see the fullness, we have to appreciate what could have been, how it could have been worse. And we have to look at things in a positive way. I just read last night a great Misa from Shlema Freifeld. Shemafaifa was a Rashiva of Sharyashiv, a brilliant person, a brilliant Mechanich. If you want to read a great, great biography, it's Rib Shlema. There's so much Musr, every single page drips of Musr. And he had a Yeshiva in Farakaway called Sharyashiv, and there's a, a Balchuva Yeshiva primarily. And there was a Gevira, one of the donors of the yeshiva came to Shlomo Freifeld. He surprised him one day out of the blue. He comes into the base Medrash and it's maybe in the middle of Second Seder or something. And he says, you know, says to Rabbi Freifeld, Rabbi Freifeld, it's pretty empty the base Medrash today. Sort of like a, a swipe at... Why am I giving money to this place? It's empty-ish. It's not, uh, it's not a full-based medrash. It's only uh, half, half empty. And Ibshleim took umbrage at this remark. And he said to him, I want to tell you something. He says, you know, I'll give you an example of what we do here at Sharyashu. He says, there was a Hasidish Shabachar from Williamsburg that was depressed. And he never smiled, ever. He was in yeshivas after yeshivas after yeshivas and they were he wasn't getting any sipuk from his learning 
His learning wasn't anything. His life wasn't anything. He was com- constantly, chronically depressed and sad and miserable. And finally, finally, as a last resort, his parents sent him to our yeshiva. And immediately I diagnosed what he needed and I made a Seder Ayayim for him. And so now every morning he comes for davening to yeshiva. He sleeps in the dorm, comes for davening. After davening, he learns two Mishnayas, not more, not less. And he chazers those two Mishnayas several times. And then he goes to work. And he goes to work the entire day and he comes back and then he chazers over those two Mishnayas again and again until he really, really knows it well. And you know, this Bacher, his name is Herschel, he never stops smiling now. I figured out that this is what he needed. He needed a little Mishnayas for his Mishama Chazara, let him make a Kenyan on those little Mishnayas that he learns. He finally is feeling like he's accomplishing something and learning, and the day is also full because he's able to go and work, and that's what he needed. He needed to feel like he's doing something and making money and accomplishing something, seeing Paris of what he's doing, and he doesn't stop smiling. He's so happy. So you with your eyes saw an empty base medish, but can now you honestly say that the base medish is empty? He's here! The base medish is full of Herschels. Some of them are here, and some of them are not here, but even the ones that are not here are here. Just you can't see them, because you're so busy with your flesh eyes seeing what's in front of you, but not using any imagination, not using any creativity to realize that what's not here is here. That's Purim Cotton. Purim Cotton is a day that we could use not our fleshy eyes which see everything so physically and what we don't have and, what, and focusing on what's not in our life. But it's a day that we're able to maybe be a little bit makir benisa, appreciate, appreciate what we have and how the glass is never half empty, it's always full. Not to focus on the negative, but focus on how much we have. We're billionaires. We're billionaires. The person, Achman Litzlan, would say, I'll give you a billion dollars if you allow me to poke out your eyes. You would say, no. How about a trillion dollars? Absolutely not. I don't care. Give me all the money in the world. I ain't doing it. So now that we do have our eyes, are we not billionaires? Are we not trillionaires? We have our eyes. Nobody took him away from us. Baruch Hashem. That means we're, by definition, billionaires. We could run for president. Now that we taught you, and now that we learned together, a major secret to happiness in life, I want to take it one step further just to perfect our, our happiness in life. And if we're able to understand the things that we're saying tonight, this will be a game changer. Tonight will be the happiest day of our life and going forward we'll get even happier. The problem is that we forget and we once again use our fleshy eyes to see things and to, and to makana others. And now I want to tell you the next phase of happiness. First of all, to appreciate how much it could have been worse. 
And by the way, I think that's why Purim, which is a day that we're supposed to be happy, one of the mitzvahs hayayim is matanis yainim. You, no matter how much you have, send gifts to poor people. And that way you'll understand that it could always be worse. There are people that are poorer than me. And I have to appreciate how great I have it by virtue of the comparison to people that are less well off than I am. But now I want to tell you another thing. Do you know what the biggest curse of modern technology is? Modern technology... The worst thing that you could watch on the internet, in my opinion, more than anything that you think I'm going to say, is an invention called Instagram. What is Instagram? Instagram is, people have told me, it's a series of scrolling up or down pictures. It's similar to Facebook, but it's a lot more a lot more kinna, a lot more chemda than Facebook. Facebook is like one person at a time. You're able to like be makana one person at a time. Here you're able to be makana like hundreds and hundreds of people every minute. All your friends, all your relatives, showing themselves at various, you know, at the 50-yard line at the Super Bowl and on exotic vacations, on yachts, on cruises, on, uh, you know, with their new suits and dresses and, and whatever they're doing. Everything has to be showed off. I ate in a fancy restaurant. I have to take a picture of myself and show it to 50,000 people that I ate last night in a fancy restaurant. And I was invited to this very hard-to-be-invited-to party. And I bought myself a brand-new motorcycle. And this is what people look at day and night. And they're mamish thinking, boy, am I the world's biggest loser. Everybody else in the world is having a blast, having a party, being matzliach, successes, riches, fun, party. And I'm doing nothing. My life is so big a yawn that it's not even funny. So how are we going to face that? Meaning we could look at people that are poor, people that are nebuch, suffering from different problems, suffering issues, and we could say, oh, Baruch Hashem, it could always be worse. But what happens when, we're, when we expose ourselves to people that are on top of the world? Now what do we say to ourselves? It doesn't always do the trick to say, yeah, it could always be worse. But, I, but look, it could be so much better. Now what do we do? Where's our perm cotton now? I want to tell you a secret. That if you're posting on Instagram or on Facebook how great a life you have, you have no life. If you feel that it's so important for you to document every single thing that you do, then clearly there's a gaping hole in your life that you need to impress other people because you feel so deficient with your own life. So when you're looking at other people showing off and expressing how lucky they are, they are the most pitiful people in the world.
it's sort of like a bully. You know, sometimes there are people that are bullies and you think that they're all powerful and you're so scared of them. Sometimes in yeshiva there are bullies and guys come over to me, there's a guy bullying me in a room and they, they're texting like terrible messages, like really playing with a guy's brain. And I say to him, yeah, you know what? The bully is always the weakling. As strong as he may seem to be, he is the weakest person in the room. Because he has so little self-confidence that he has to bully other people. If he's so self-assured, he wouldn't need to bully you. The Samarov says a great vart on Leisachmaid. The Torah says, Leisachmaid, Eishes Reyecha. Don't be jealous of your neighbor's wife, Vishayrai, Vichamayrai, and his ox, and his donkey, Ubeisai, and his house, Vichalashayrai, and everything that he has. So, okay, we get it. Don't be jealous of his wife, of his car, of his donkey, of his house. Why do you have to say, Vichalashayrai? We understand, I get it. You don't have to say everything. Vichalashayrai. Just say, don't be jealous of your friends, of your friend's wife, donkey, Shar, and that. We, we get it. Get it. Don't be jealous. So he says, no, no, no. He says, the Torah, when it's saying, is giving us a secret as to why you shouldn't be jealous. He says, because unless you're willing to take then you have no right to be jealous. The secret to not being jealous of somebody else is, do you really want to be that person? Yeah, that guy's driving a really nice car. That guy's living in a nice house. But if I were to ask you, okay, I'll give you, you be him, and he'll be you. Would you do it? Oh no, I don't want to be that guy. I like who I am. I like who I am. I, yeah, it's true, I wish I had you know a couple million dollars in the bank. But I like who I am. That guy... I don't know what that guy, what's going on in his life. I don't know all the problems that he has. Or maybe I do know a lot of the problems that he has. I don't want that. So the Torah is saying, you know what? You shouldn't be jealous of just his wife and just his house and just his car because it's not fair. If you're going to be jealous, then be jealous of everything. You want to be him? Fine. But if you don't want to be him, and trust me, you don't want to be him, then don't be jealous of him. Be happy with what you have. Those people that we look to and saying, wow, if only I was them, then I'd be happy. I got a newsflash for you. You wouldn't, and you don't want to be them. So be happy who you are. Be happy that the Rabbi Shalom made us exactly who we are, with what we have, with all our faculties, with all of our das, with all of our seich, with all of our gashmias and ruchnias, that's who I want to be. That's the secret to happiness. Look down at people that don't have what you have and say, Baruch Hashem, that I have what I have. Look at those people and say, Baruch Hashem, I'm not sick. It's good once in a while to visit a hospital so that we could appreciate what it's like to breathe without a respirator, to be able to walk without a cast on our leg, without being in traction. We shouldn't wait until Rahman al we have to be there and say, Whoa, I, wish that I, I wish that I'd be able to express my haidah to the Rabbi Yisham when I before I broke my leg. 
Baruch Hashem, no one here in the room has a broken leg. Be happy, dance, that you're able to use those feet. You're able to use your arms. You don't have a cast in your arms. You're able to move your arms. Be happy. You don't have a sore throat. You're able to feel good. You don't have a cold. You don't have a flu. You don't have a pneumonia. You don't have a virus. Be happy. Make a Purim cotton. Okay, but what's haunting you? The jealousy that you have for the guys in yeshiva, for the guys in the neighborhood, for the people that have it all? Trust me, they don't have it all. They are on Niyam in their own way. You are the wealthiest person. They're jealous of you. On Purim, there's two mitzvahs that seem to somehow converge in the same pasuk. Mishloyach manes ishlereyeyo umatanes avyainim. Matanis Avyanim teaches us this Yisaid that there are Avyanim, there are people that Nebuch have so little physically, materially, and we have so much. We have to be grateful for what we have and appreciate it every second that we have it. But there's also an Indian of Mishlayach Manis Ishlareyu. Mishlayach Manis means I could send presents to people that live in mansions. And you know what? That's also Matanas Avyanim. Sometimes there are people, Rabbi said, that live in mansions that are the biggest Avyanim in the world. There's really no difference between Mishlech Manasish Lareo and Matanas Avyanim very often. There's a Misa of a person who is a very wealthy individual and he went to a. Um, he lived in a mansion and he drove fancy cars and Bako Mikol Kail and he went to the person who was in charge of Taimche Shabbos and he says, I want to give a very big check to Taimche Shabbos. I want to give $25,000 to Taimche Shabbos right now. I'm willing, ready, willing, and able to write out a check on one condition. So, okay, what's the condition? He says, I want to make sure that you're delivering food to Aniyim. I want a complete list of all the names and addresses that you deliver to every Shabbos. And to his credit, the head of Temche Shabbos says, absolutely not. We don't do that. That's against our policies. A lot of privacy that we, we pride ourselves that we do not share that information with anyone. He says, okay, $50,000. And again, didn't blink an eyebrow. Didn't blink, didn't, nothing. One hundred thousand dollars. Give me the list. No. Okay. One million dollars. I want that list. He says no. You can give me a trillion dollars. I ain't giving the list. And the Gevir started breaking down and crying. He says, "Good. Can I please put my name on the list?" Taimchei Shabbos delivers to mansions. I know. I know people that deliver four Taimchei Shabbos and they say you would be shocked. Mansions. In neighborhoods that you are probably so jealous. You have no idea. We don't know. This is such a world of Sheker. You have no idea who has what. And even if they talk to have everything that they, that they claim to have, there's still so much that people are missing, that people long for, that we have. They don't have, but we're so jealous over certain things. We focus on certain things that we wish we had. 
But we don't want what they have. Let them have it. We'll send them packages. We'll send them packages. It's all the same thing. Because I'm the richest man in the room. But to really be rich, you have to be makir, how rich you are. We just learned the Gemara in Gittin. The Agada to Gemara says that there was Ashmedai, the, the king of the demons. Whatever the story was, but he passed by a, he passed by a, a sorcerer. And he started laughing at this sorcerer, like a, a tarot card reader, a clairvoyant. He's laughing, and eventually they asked him, why were you laughing? He says, because this clairvoyant that claimed to have you know, the ability to see the future, right under his feet there was a treasure worth millions and millions of dollars, and he's claiming to be this clairvoyant, he knows everything, but he didn't even know that he had a treasure right beneath his feet. And that's how we all are. We all have a treasure beneath our feet. We don't know how wealthy we are. We're the poorest millionaires in the world because we have so much, but we're so unaware of what we have. We're so not makir benisai. We have to be purim katan yidden. We have to be yidden that really get it. Then when we say maidem, al manu, mean it for once in our life. Appreciate what we have. Know that it could always be worse. And that it can't be better. Oh, yeah, we, it could be worse, but it could be somewhat... No, it can't. I got news for you. It can't be much better. It doesn't get better. This is as good as it gets, Rabbi say. If you're waiting and you're going to be miserable until that day that you find the treasure, you will never be happy. You have to learn the art of happiness. Not you. We. Me. We all have to learn that art of being happy right now. And if we could be happy with who we are and what we have today, we will be happy the rest of our life. This will be the legacy of Purim Katzen, Tavshanayim Bav. The invisible Purim. Every day there's an invisible Purim. Things are happening around us. We can't comprehend, but we are the luckiest people. We're walking through minefields. HaKadosh Baruch is blessing us. He's giving us what we need. He's protecting us from the elements. We are so wealthy. We have our eyes. We have our ears. We could hear. We could talk. We could feel. We could embrace. We can love. We can learn. We could daven. We're so wealthy. It boggles the mind how wealthy we are. And we spend our lives with petty grievances and petty jealousies and we wish and this and he got better on, on the test than I did. He got a better promotion than I did. He got a better summer internship than I did. He got accepted to that camp, to that yeshiva. I didn't. We're so petty. We're just focusing on what we don't have and we're ignoring the brachas that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showering on us daily. We have to pop out of our seats tonight and dance in the streets and thank the Rabbi Shalom for what we have Laman Hashem if we don't do it today when are we going to do it? when is it going to be that moment that we're truly grateful to the Rabbi Shalom? you're waiting until after you get married you're waiting until after you have a kid after you make your first million when you get a grandchild what are you waiting for? 
It doesn't get better than right now in life. This is it. This is the seed. This is the climax. You're in yeshiva. You're in a great yeshiva. You have friends. You have family. You're a yid. You're a ben taira. You have food on the table. Bakar mikol kal. There's nothing lacking. Fresh bagels every morning and hot meals for lunch and for supper and coffee in the in the in the in the hefker count. Everything. What? Do, tell me what we don't have. Tell me something that we don't have in yeshiva. And we're we're upset about things. We get grievances about about pettiness. We have to be yidden that are purim cotton yidden. We have to be hidden that appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu without the drama. On an ordinary day, when there's not a Purim Gadol, and there's no Megillah leaning, and there's no Mitzvah Hayyim, there's no major Suda, maybe you're married tomorrow, the Suda Kitsas, Kiesh Machmirin, but there's no major things going on, there's no Purim Shack, and there's no hoopla, and there's no mesibas. It's just a regular Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning. Make it Purim Cotton. We don't say hallow. You don't have to say hallow. We have a psukah de zimra every morning that we say. We bench whenever we have an opportunity. We say an alamichi. We say an asher yatsar. Asher yatsar is halavim b'chachma. You'd rather be in a hospital, not be able to, to use nekavim, nekavim, chalulim, chalulim. What are we waiting for? We should be dancing when we make an Asher Yatza. We should be taking a microphone and saying it for the whole base Madrash to answer Amen. We have a Shahakomi Abidvarai. We're so lucky, and I'm talking to myself, Rabbi, so don't think that I'm old in here. I'm really not. I wish I was. But this is where we all have to be holding. If we want to be happy people, we want to be those people that are wholesome, good-natured, happy, content, that has a secret to life, happiness, it's not with money. Money is not the secret to happiness. Fame is not the secret to happiness. Fortune is not the secret to happiness. The secret to happiness lies within being able to be makertaj for what I do have, understanding how it could have been worse, and it cannot be better. And when we're able to get that through our thick heads, that will be the moment that we're able to be hidden. That will be the moment that we will be proud, purim, cotton, hidden. And that will be the first day of our lives. Let's take this Purim cotton. Let's make it the best Purim cotton ever. And let's march forward to Purim Gadol with happiness, with appreciation, with the utmost of Akaras Hatayv to the Rabbanishlam. Maidim, Maidim, Maidim. Shesamta Chalkeno Miyashve Besam Medrash. Vaisamta Chalkeno Miyashve Kronos.